0: glory glory sacramento
1: hello and welcome to the 916 republic podcast i'm your host nolan and today i'm so excited to be joined in the studio by my two co-hosts scott waits and zach winnick scott how are you doing this <laughs> one, afternoon uh, <laughs> i I'm, was like caught in two minds <laughs> yeah, i'm good nolan how are you doing i'm doing really really well
2: i <laughs> thought you were just like smiling because you're just you're just so happy that you're in the studio that's, with f- us that's too. Fine, I'm smiling. you just had
0: a, a, a smile of contentment i yeah, thought you. I thought you forgot that you normally ask us how we're doing. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I what's next? Yeah. <laughs> well,. Um, well my butt hurts (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, we just recorded an an interview with matt george yes uh, and that's gonna be what you listen to today where we talk about uh the end of season superlatives part two so we talk
1: we need to back up and explain who matt george is
0: oh we will okay Uh, okay, okay. i'm just yeah so you'll do that in a second so we talk about uh defender of the year midfielder of the year and team mvp but nolan who's matt george yeah
1: matt george is uh genuinely one of our favorite people in the world a beautiful uh, soul beautiful man a beautiful soul we talk about him all the time <laughs> and he's just great he's also uh works for KHTK whoa k8
0: khtk 1140 <laughs> sports know, radio. it's kind of a tongue twister yeah, it's a
1: really big tongue twister and not, my voice does not work well today uh yeah he works for the sports radio station in sacramento he covers the kings he has a podcast that uh covers the kings exclusively i think they publish an episode every day
0: every every monday through friday oh my yeah my it's gosh. like a 30 minute thing every day
1: he's a legend uh so what's that called
0: Uh locked on kings podcast
1: yes so if you like basketball and you like the kings i'm sorry and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, wallow in your misery with matt george every day on his podcast uh find it on anywhere you find your podcast stitcher apparently is one of those places that yeah. you can yeah spotify
2: it itunes stitcher yeah. anchor There's lots of them.
0: But unfortunately, while we were recording this, Nolan's uh, part didn't record all the way. So we missed uh, Nolan's vote for team MVP, his award that he gave for that, and his little bit of explanation for that. So we're just going to do that now. Mm -hmm. So Nolan, who's your team MVP? I
1: think it was Defensive Player of the Year. Was it? Was it defensive? It was defensive player of the year. Excuse me. I misspoke. Defensive player of the year. My defensive player of the year was Tomas Hilliard Arce. I did that for two reasons. One, I just wanted to be different because everyone was going to (laughs) say two, uh, he was one of the few defenders that contributed an attack. He scored a goal. That's what we were all excited about um, with him coming to Sacramento this year. Um, And he played in the big games when it mattered. He got the start against Phoenix in the playoff game. Um, He started the first game of the season and his lack of appearances was more due to injury than it was lack of form. Um, so I'm excited. I hope that he's back. I think he was really solid this year. And for that reason, he was my defensive player of the year. I think that's genuinely overshadowed by Rafa Diaz. And we talk about that a lot on the show. Um, but you won't hear me talk about that because my audio cut out. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> we
0: just got it right there. Uh, we did get. That, that was the only part of Nolan's audio that, that cut out. So everything else, we're we're good to go. Um, any other? Th- we didn't really have like a, a an organized news thing. But any anything you guys want to talk about? Oh, we could uh, say that it's confirmed. USA versus Wales. Yes, you know, it is in, in yeah. London on November twelfth. So we'll talk about that game. I'm interested
2: in a lot of things. I'm also interested. I think more than anything in who plays right wing,
1: yeah, mm. for the That's U.S. That's the
2: one position for the
1: U.S. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe Tyler Boyd.
0: Yeah, May yeah, maybe. I don't know.
2: That's
1: Besiktas. Did you hear? T- uh, Paul Pogba decided to drop out of the French national team.
2: I saw uh, an article. i just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's, he did about not about <laughs> him. And like the national team, I didn't he see. He got it.
1: really, really mad because The Sun published an article that was completely unfounded that said really? he was like pulling himself out of the French national team pool. Okay. And then he like screenshotted the article and then posted it on his He's Instagram. Like, no. was like, no. Fake news. <laughs> yeah. This is BS. And apparently it was like a really bad, really, really just horrible reporting. So. Oh, wow. Don't That's believe the rumors. Well, there
0: is some news. I guess um, Juan Barahona was rumored to be leaving the team, going back to El Salvador. So we posted something, and then yeah. he commented on it, saying, "Don't believe the rumors." Right? What does but it say, also,
2: Jack? he, let, you know, let me just read it. I'll just read it. It okay. says, "I know there are rumors. We are still waiting. Relax. Don't listen to the rumors. We will be the first to know everything."
0: Now, this is interesting for a couple reasons. Uh, the first being, this feels still kind ambiguous. Of, well, this yeah, this feels maybe like a play by an agent. You know, like this would happen like bigger teams, right? It'd be like, oh, you know, Real Madrid is interested in my player. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know how like, much more are you gonna pay? Yeah, him? some Serie A team, you know, like uh, AC Milan yeah. or something like. Are you? You better hurry up and sign him, type of thing. Like putting false pressure because there there's no pressure and nobody else is trying to sign this guy. Not saying that Juan Barajona isn't worthy of a contract. I'm just saying maybe nobody is really interested in him in El Salvador and this is like an agent trying to make a move happen or an agent trying to uh, make it seem like that he is a, a much more wanted player uh, than he really is for the sake of keeping him involved in the national team, something like that. It's also interesting because Juan Barahona doesn't speak English. Yeah, that's true. So, sorry. <laughs> Zach's dog doesn't want to interrupt us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Lucas hungry, yeah, hungry, is what that is. Okay. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about?
2: No, let's get into this. I'm excited
0: for everybody to hear this episode. It was really fun to record. Yep. it is. It was genuinely really fun to record. So, all right. We will uh, get into it right now. All right, and we are now on with Matt Georgia of KHDK eleven forty or AM radio. How how'd I do with the name this time, Matt? Pretty
3: good, pretty good. Sports (laughs) KHDK KHDK AM eleven forty KHDK Sports Radio. Whatever you call it, it's us.
0: (laughs) Okay, very good. Uh, Matt, how's it going?
3: It's going well. It's going well. Um, I'm uh I'm already missing Republic FC soccer. I'm already missing being able to go out to uh. Papa Murphy's Park on an evening and, and catch a match, although it is finally starting to get cool now, so maybe it's a good thing we're not out there, but drove by Cal Expo, the fairgrounds, and saw the stadium uh, this weekend uh, on my way out of town, uh, and it definitely made me miss it a little bit. It's done wonders to help me, at least personally, get through this really difficult year and this tough yeah. year of not having live sports, so uh, I appreciated it for what it's worth. Now that it's gone, I immediately want it back. Uh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. we I, I feel the same way. Like, it's it can be kind of a, a little bit of a, a grind on your Saturday, you know, taking half your Saturday and most of the evening. But at the same time, I there's nothing else that I want to do on a Saturday evening than go to a Sac Republic game.
2: And eat some... Chipotle? Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing those Chipotle burgers. Yeah. Chipotle burgers? Burritos. <laughs> Whoa, Zach just Chipotle. created a Wait whole a new... That would be thing. amazing. No, you're you're, you're going
3: to a completely different restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: All right, well, we are going to get started with our uh, part two of the the end-of-the-season superlatives. So part one we did uh, most surprising, most disappointing. Uh, We did, what else did we do? That was so long ago in my brain. Most improved. Most improved. And then top gold scorer, which wasn't really an award. We already knew who it was. Referenced it, yeah. Uh, And today what we're going to do is we're going to go over the bigger awards. So we have Team Defender, which also includes uh, goalies as well. Mm -hmm. We have a midfielder of the year and then team MVP. So those are the three we're doing today. We thought it would be uh, important to have Matt George on to get a little bit different perspective because uh, we sometimes can talk about uh, the same amount of players or the same players the same amount of time. So um, we brought Matt on to kind of keep us in check, make sure everything is kosher here. Um, And what we're going to do for this episode is it's going to be a little different than last episode. That was a little bit longer form Conversation because we have four people. We're going to make it a bit shorter. So we are going to uh, start with Defender of the Year mm-hmm. and we are going to just go around the round table, starting with Zach, then Nolan, then Matt, ending with myself, and just name who the, the award goes to, who we think that award goes to. And then I will kind of direct the conversation from there and we'll do Midfielder and then we'll end with Team MVP. Everybody, yeah, I have th- two nods. Matt, yeah, sound sir. good? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it sounds good to me. Let's do it.
0: All right, so Zach, mm-hmm. name your Defender of the Year. My Defender of the Year is Rafa Diaz. Okay, Nolan. Okay, Matt, Defender of the Year.
3: I'm very interested to hear his exclama- uh, explanation for that choice. Not Same. That, not that I don't respect what uh, Tomas does, but it's, it's Rafael Diaz, and to me it's not close.
0: Same. Well, I have a name not yet named, and my Defender of the Year yeah. is Hayden sergeants. Oh, wow. All right. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Nolan, I kind of want to start with you because I think yours is the one that took me most by surprise. I-, I was expecting Rafa Diaz. I was expecting another name. Maybe we'll talk about him in a little bit. But can you go through, just very quickly, why Tomas Hilliard-Arce?
2: Yeah.
0: Zach, any follow-up for that?
2: No, I...
1: Name another center back that
2: would <laughs> I think... See, but that's it for me, is like... I don't really think any of them were exceptional. I think we saw glimpses of, to be fair, I think we saw glimpses of Thomas Hilliard-Arce playing very well. But there were a lot of mistakes he made, and there's a, there's just a lot of fundamental mistakes, I think, in his game. He's just very slow. He's slow to react. His decision-making was not always the best. Um, and so I, I understand what you're saying, um, but I, I think for me it's just not even close. I, I think Rafa Diaz is if we're including him in this discussion, he has to be the number one. At least for me, Is like nobody played exceptionally on that back line or in that defense except for Rafa. Even Hayden played and showed really good glimpses, and it is somebody I'm really excited and really hopeful for the future. But for this season, I don't think you can give it to anybody
0: but Rafa. Matt, what are your thoughts on Tomas Hilliard Arce?
3: Well, first off, defensively, I mean, coming into this season, what did we hear about the Republic? Oh, this is an attacking team. They're going to score a lot of goals. Briggs wants to play uh, aggressive, attacking style of football. And within weeks, we saw that this team's strength was actually on the defensive end of the pitch. So first off, all the defenders, including Rafa Diaz and Goal, they all deserve a tremendous amount of credit, including some of the midfielders as well who Briggs expected to be involved uh, in defense at a time. But that's just it. I think defensively when it comes to analyzing Hayden Sargis, Tomas Hilliard-Arce, Jordan McCrary, Shannon Gomez, uh, Juan, it doesn't matter. It's more of a defense by committee with them. I was very impressed with their communication and how they worked together to create the success that they had versus Rafa Diaz a goalkeeper alone the last line of defense uh, now he works with the defenders works with his back line and communicates with them but he is the last line of defense and the plays that he makes he makes completely by himself uh, to me it's it's not even close and i was i almost gave this to Jordan McCrary, because he's so mm-hmm. consistent, and you know what you're going to get on a nightly basis from Jordan. He's also evolved in the attack, had a couple of assists this season. Uh, so Jordan was was high up there, my number two as well. Uh, but Rafa Diaz, the story uh, of him, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but to, to be fighting for years to earn his spot, to once again be number two, Uh, To have Adam Grinwis go down with the injury, for him to step in, a backup goalkeeper with a team with such high expectations and make the team better, uh, to go from a guy who struggled to get playing time to being in the race for Golden Glove and one of the top keepers in all of the USL, you need to give him every award that he's eligible to get, in my opinion, for the season that he had. It's just a shame he didn't get more opportunity to make big saves in a deeper playoff run.
0: Zach, do you have more to add for Rafa Diaz?
2: No, I th- I think that's well put, and I think if anything, you know, you you talked about like the expectations that Rafa had to fill. I I think, especially at goaltender, the the, the goaltending position at the Republic for years. Any honestly, since Sac Republic's con- in, con- conce- Inception? Con- conception conception. conception. Since its conception. Yes. Yes. Since the Republic's conception, goaltending has been held to a very high bar. And Rafa not only stepped into that, met that bar, but in my opinion, exceeded it. So um, yeah, I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. it. I want to say that this was a uh, defense by committee just because of the rotating door, but it it's hard for me to look at any um one person and say you have or, uh, as big of an impact on the defense as rafa diaz so then why didn't i give him the award well yes. it, it's very simply i expected nothing from hayden Sargis this year other <laughs> than a few spot starts yeah and i mean again i'm thinking a 34 game season if you get you know six starts that, that's a that's a good amount of minutes for an uh, academy for, for an academy kid and we said it at times. Hayden Sargis was the best defender on the field for Sacramento. Th- there were games where he just played lights out. So I want I w- I wanted to give it to Rafa, but I I just I I just looked at the season Hayden had, and yeah, it didn't end well. But I I just think that if the center back pairing for the whole year is Tomas and Matt Mahoney or Tomas and uh, Deco keenan i i think maybe the, the season ends differently uh and i i also think that rafa is put in some maybe harder spots that lower his uh save percentage and now we're not talking about a guy in the the running for golden glove we're talking about a good goalie but not necessarily like one of the tops in the league that's really how i view hayden sarges again were there mistakes? Of course there were mistakes. But when I'm looking at just a solid defender that anchored the back line for the majority of the year, with the exception of the last couple of games, there were there were two guys. It was Hayden Sargis and Jordan McCray. But uh, I, I gave this one to Hayden Sargis.
3: And to me, and, though, you said it right there, though, the last couple of matches, and that's where I think the difference is. That's why I have Sargis down. At number three for me beneath McCrary, because McCrary was a consistent starter day in and day out, even if he had his own pitfalls and struggles. And, and I was with you. I had very little expectations for Sargis. So no matter what I say here, it's a beyond successful season for him. But I think it's telling that as the season winded down and as the games got extremely important, and then when you go to Phoenix... I think it's telling that Deco Keenan's out there and Hayden Sargis is not. Now, I expect Hayden to have a very successful career of him in plenty of matches like that, and, and that being his spot no matter what as the years go on. But if he had been in that position throughout the remainder of the season, if he had started nearly every match, if he was in there against Phoenix, I think that would have given me more confidence in voting him into that spot. But him not being there to me was more telling.
0: Yeah. No, I. It's hard for me to disagree with that, and maybe you'll see why in a second. Uh, Zach or Nolan, any other thoughts on Hayden Sargis? Uh,
2: no. I, Hayden was my number two, and McCrary was my number three. I think they both deserve honorable mentions um, and played very well and had great seasons.
1: For me, it's Rafa, but both of those guys deserve credit. I agree. I think I was a little hard on Hayden Sargis' last episode, um, but given my valuation of defenders based on their – uh, contribution to the attack like Hayden Sarges that kid can pass the ball and it, he can pass the ball in ways that just cuts through the midfield I, I remember the yeah. um the hockey assist he had against Tulsa mm. when he got it out to Barahona just ju- just yeah a j- beautiful pass over the top of the midfield to Juan and Juan cross it in so for that reason I think Hayden's a really good shout
0: yeah, well, okay, let's let's go to Matt first for some honorable mentions. Do you have anyone that we didn't talk about that you think should be, at least in the conversation, for Defender of the Year?
3: No, I, I listed my other two uh, honorable mentions other than giving the award to Rafa, which was McCrary and Sargis. I thought Mahoney gave solid moments. I thought Decal Keenan uh, stepped in and gave solid moments. If there is an award for just captain or not necessarily captain, but, but leader. Um, I think Hayden or not Hayden um, Deco Keenan's up there for just the leader that he has been. And you hear everybody just talk about how important Deco Keenan has been. Uh, Tomas had some great moments as well. Uh, So that's, that's my honorable mention for me, but I do want to end on a positive saying one more thing uh, about Hayden. One of the most fun developments that we've seen from him this season, I think is really, really important. Uh, And I've had a lot of conversations with head coach Mark Briggs about this, and he's the one that initially pointed it out to me. If you go back and and watch matches, and one of the coolest things about the access that we got this year was being able to be in a stadium with no fans and be able to hear the communication. And it gave me a whole new appreciation for what a captain does on the pitch, what defenders do, goalkeepers do on the pitch. And at the beginning of the season, you didn't hear much out of Hayden. He more looked to the sidelines or looked to Tomas or whoever he was playing with for direction. By the end of the season, he was out there giving directions, he was communicating, he was yelling, he was telling players where to go, and they were listening and following him, which I think is very telling, from an 18-year-old. That was a really fun development to watch for him, and that's, I think, a major reason why you're seeing this Hayden Sarge's future captain uh, headline that keeps floating around from different publishers.
0: Hmm, interesting, yes. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have any other uh, honorable mentions. I, everyone mentioned it. I it again. It I want to say it's not this this year. Simply defensively was not a, uh, a defense by a committee. But at the same time, oh, man, I mean, Juan had good moments. Ash had good moments. Shannon had good moments. Uh, no one mentioned it on the last show. You know, a player that he was disappointed in was Matt Mahoney, just because. He didn't get the run that Nolan felt he should have, uh, you know. So, it it is like I, it it is frustrating that maybe there's not one defender that's like exceptional, exceptionally, and other than uh, um, some of the guys that we've listed, they had very good years. But I don't really think that any one particular person on this team had a bad year. Is there anyone yeah, uh, on the back line? You mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I genuinely think this was. There maybe yeah. is an argument to be made, as I think Matt said it, that this was a, a committee, committee a, a solid defense by committee, yeah. as a kind of a team identity. Yeah, even
2: Ash, Ash coming you know, off a tryout and playing very um, significant minutes in the beginning of the season, like and playing decent. You know, he was raw, but there was still moments where he flashed. So yeah, I think that's a good point. We should get on. Let's get on to the midfield. <laughs> yes, let's
0: move on. Any any other. Zach, Nolan, I don't think I got I'm to you good. any other honorable mentions, no? no, nope, I said mine. We've, okay, we've cool, yeah, it. I did too. All right, uh, well, we'll do the same uh, rotation for midfielder of the year. So we'll go Zach, then we'll go Nolan, then Matt, and end with myself. So, Zach, who is your midfielder of the year? My midfielder of the year is Drew Scundrich.
1: Nolan? Ditto.
3: Ah. Matt? Three for three, Drew Scundrich. Oh. With a very, very close second to Jaime Villarreal. Same, that's okay. also
0: me too. Okay. Uh, And we're going to make it four for four. Wow. Yeah, Drew Skundrick. Yeah. So, Matt, we'll start with you. What stood out to you this season about Drew Skundrick?
3: I mean, one of the things that I love about Drew, and it was made very, very clear during a preseason match against San Jose, but Drew's stamina is incredible. And his work rate is he, he runs the most miles of anyone on the pitch, and it's not close. He's involved in the attack. He's involved in the defense. But what really solidified this award for me, even though it's it's so important, but it's not necessarily part of the midfield position, it's the captaincy. Yep. Drew stepped up and became, in just his second season with the club under a new head coach and with a, a new style and with these championship aspirations and expectations, Drew became the vocal leader. And he was followed. Very, very apparently from day one now it shouldn't surprise too many people because uh, unless i'm mistaken drew was a captain for many years if not every year uh with stanford and of course they had the success that they did there uh but i was very impressed by drew taking on that armband uh repping it perfectly it's a shame Uh, that he got hurt and uh, and missed a couple of matches because I have a feeling things might have turned out a little bit differently uh, had he been available for all those matches. But Drew, Mr. Consistent, you know what you're going to get out of him. He doesn't excel in one area in particular. I'm not going to say he's a phenomenal attacker but struggles on defense or he's better in this than he is at that. He's just a good all-around midfielder. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's smart. He's a great communicator, and this is his award for me.
1: Nolan, anything to add? Uh, no, Matt hit two of those points hugely on the head, the, the captaincy and his just general ability, um, to, to work in the midfield, um, really stands out to me. One thing that's kind of quirky that also just pushed him over the line for me was he's the only Sacramento player to have scored before and after the restart. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and then another thought that I had, um, was that he plays, no, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Well,
0: he was the only player to score before the restart for Sac yeah. Republic I know but he's yeah. also the only one to score
1: after <laughs> okay. I, think that was, I think that was part of the joke so. it's okay. a great stat okay <laughs> don't ruin it for me <laughs> okay
2: uh, Zach anything to add um, I think well put Matt if anything um, I think it was Matt it was one of us that said it was close between Jaime and Drew Yeah, and it, it was close for me as well and I think honestly a lot of that has to do with just the ending of the season Because he was out, he was injured, and Jaime was what we expected him to be—Mr. Consistent. That's where he played. That's the foundation of his game, and out of that, he then shows flashes of brilliance. But the floor doesn't take a hit when he does. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Um, So for me, it's like that's why it was close because of kind of how the end, you know, the season ended. But when you take into account everything Drew gives to this team. As a whole, to the midfield core, um, yeah, it's it's Drew Scundridge for me.
0: Yeah, I, I I definitely hear what We're saying that like he's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. But I think the thing that is underrated with Drew is there will be moments where he has a really good game-breaking pass, or he can finish um, when sometimes other guys haven't been finishing, or um, he he'll be so consistent with the ball at his feet that when you make a mistake, you're like, well, where did this come from? It's because he doesn't usually make mistakes like that. I, I think he's he's elevated his game ever so slightly um, last year to this year, just in his consistency. I think last year, it was, a, it was uh, kind of a case of you see flashes where he's really good, but then sometimes he kind of loses the game. This year, it was just consistent you knew that Drew Skundrick wasn't just going to give you hard effort every game. That's a given, but he was going to have a big impact on the game. That's why I think he's the midfielder for me in terms of captaincy. I, this is where I'm a little torn because I think I would have liked to hear him communicate a little bit more, uh, I, it, and it's hard because I've never played midfield at this level, so I don't know how hard it is to actually just be talking the whole time when you're trying to check, you know, 360 degrees around your person where you should be. That's the only negative that I would have for him, though, is I wish I would have heard him a little bit more on the field, bark at people and get into their face. Maybe that's just not his style. Maybe he's a little bit more of a uh, of an encourager than a disciplinarian as a captain uh, that's just hard for me to do. I, I want to play under somebody that grills me and motivates me to work harder because he's going to absolutely rip me. If I don't, that's maybe the only thing that, um, I would have personally liked to see different, but other than that, I mean, he had a, a great year. And again, Jaime was right there for me. I, again, think that drew had the best year of the Of the midfielders, and everyone else is a close second because they all had a good year. I genuinely think that Jaime is a very good midfielder, Roro, very good midfielder. Even Andrew Wheeler, Amenu, probably fourth in the pecking chart. He he stepped in when he needed to and played very well. There was only maybe one game when he was coming back from injury where he looked a little yeah uh, a a little just rusty Yeah. yeah. And then the last one is Mario Penegos. In limited minutes, he had big impact on Mm -hmm. this season. So it's Drew Skundrick, but by a narrow margin because everyone else I thought played very well. Um, Anybody else have anything to add for Drew Skundrick?
3: Yeah, two things to your point on Drew or one of your gripes about Drew. One is he does not have the most deep masculine voice on the planet. That's why I like him so much. Cause we have similar voices when we yell, it is higher pitched. It was easy to hear when he did speak, but that's not really the leader that drew is to your point. Now you would hear him yelling and you hear him communicating. And he, he, uh, one of the things that I heard him yell the most was, Hey, clean this up. Usually an expletive was in there, but clean that up. And, and he hates to concede goals. And you could see that in his captaincy, any in, in how he tried to lead, uh, but to your point about him being more of an antagonist or, or getting in your face, there was an incident during training, and it's okay for me to bring it up because Mark Briggs talked about it, although I don't think he named any names at this point. It's months ago, so I can name it. There was an incident between Drew Skundrich and Derek Formella early on in the season during training. And this was at the time that the Republic were struggling to score. And Drew, as the captain, decided to hold the strikers and specifically Derek Formella uh, accountable for their struggles in training, their inability to finish. And that led to a a scrap. And Well, not really a scrap. That suggests they fought an argument between the two of them. And and Coach Briggs talked about it after training. He said, look, I'm I'm 100% okay with it. If that's what we need to motivate us, that's what we need. So it didn't necessarily work. It's not like the Republic scored six goals the next match. They continued to struggle offensively until they kind of got into a groove later on. But Drew did, at least in that moment, have the capability of stepping up. I appreciate that it wasn't during the pitch on match day with all the cameras on and everybody watching. It was privately in training. So the trust was there between all the players that that would stay in-house
0: yeah okay so you know maybe i'm a little off just in the in the post-match press conferences that's not the personality i got from him but again i agree agree. you know when we're in training it's different than when you're out of training or or not playing you know people can be the nicest people in the world and then you step on the field and they're of the devil jekyll and hyde yeah Yeah. so uh, maybe i just misread that one i'm usually pretty good at that though so uh, that's great that um so he he has that in him.
3: I wouldn't say you misread it though because you're aware of his personality. I'm just saying there ha- there was an incident like that that took place in training. Does that incident is that incident more of a representation of who Drew is as a captain and a character than what we saw on the pitch for the uh, the rest of the season? Absolutely not. So I think you you hit the nail on the head with your uh, assessment of Drew Scundrych's character. I'm just saying that incident has happened to where he is capable of being that when he feels he needs to be
2: and he's still developing as a leader. I think that that above all this like as we see I don't know that he's really set in his leadership style yet. You know what I mean? Like I think he's still developing as a leader. Um and I think he, you know, to be fair, took a big step this past season. Um uh, in contrast to the season before. Uh but yeah, he's still developing and and I think we're going to it's at least something to keep an eye on as we continue to go through next season of what leadership style he continues to kind of um work from so yeah
3: and if i can squeeze one more thing in here and i know i'm talking a lot about drew but i wanted to make sure i mentioned it uh one thing that makes i think drew so successful and one of the reasons why he got this award and got the captaincy is and he fits really well in this system to where briggs expects his players to fill gaps when needed for example when um he wants Hayden Sargis to drive the ball and get involved in the attack. A lot of times he would ask Drew to step back and kind of take that center back role for a, a couple minutes or even 30 seconds until Hayden got back in position. And Drew was always willing and capable and able to do that. And that goes for attack and defense. So he just fit really well in the system. And I think that was very apparent in how he played.
0: Yeah, I would hundred percent agree. Well, let's move on to the other guys that we briefly mentioned. Zach, you said that Jaime Villarreal was a close second. So, talk about the type of year Jaime Villarreal had. Um,
2: and I talked about it a little bit. Jaime is Mister Consistency, and that is what that's what makes him so great. And, and he's not somebody that's going to give you the work rate that Drew Skundrich can give you. There's there's not many who can. <laughs> Drew is a marathon runner out on that pitch. Um, but Jaime, just again, that, that foundation of play that he works from, um, and then out of that, the ability to make a special pass, um, to take a special shot, and make a smart decision, um, is why he's, I think, a very significant member of this of this team and a very significant member in the midfield.
1: Yeah, I would add to that. The, the criticism we had of Jaime Villarreal was he's not risky enough uh, in attack, and then He went around and scored twice as many goals this year in half as many games as he did last year. Um, And so I think that was a a big development in his um, game compared to to last year as well. So looking at the little things he's doing to improve um, and raise his game as a midfielder, maybe that's just fluky. He scored one goal last year and two this year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but he just, he did. He would take the occasional shot instead of playing the safe pass. And I thought that was cool.
2: But if a six, if a six... If a defensive midfielder, a six, scores four goals on a normal season, that's a good year for him. Yeah. As far as offensive production, in my opinion.
1: Wasn't he hurt for a little bit this year? He was. I think he only had nine starts. Jaime? Yeah. I- no. Well, he begin- didn't have
0: that many starts. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Uh
1: Matt, am I off? Was Was Jaime
0: hurt at the yeah. beginning of the year?
3: Yes, he, he, was. he was hurt at the beginning. I don't think he started nine matches. He might have played in nine matches, but when he did come in and start, especially his most notable start to me was when he filled in for Rodrigo Lopez after Rodrigo got the red card. Uh, that's when he played exceptionally well. And for me with Jaime, uh, you mentioned his consistency. I think he is a, one of the most underrated passers on the club. Uh, Rodrigo Lopez playing next to Rodrigo, it's, it's hard to look like a good passer when you're playing next to Rodrigo Lopez. <laughs> I don't think Jaime is too far back from Rodrigo, except for ne- not necessarily playing the long ball, but that's one of the things that Briggs likes about Jaime is Jaime doesn't necessarily try to play the long ball. He plays a lot of one, two, a lot of quick passes, a lot of movement, uh, and, and you can see that. And also, Jaime always seems to be involved in an attack in some way, even if it's not resulting in a boatload of assists for him, he plays that through a baller. He's the the secondary uh, to an assist. If he could just improve his striking ability from straight on outside the box, because he's gotten so many looks, so many looks from just on the edge of the box. If he could just improve his striking ability out there, I think he could easily be a a four or five. Well, maybe not easily. He could be a four or five, six goal scorer a, a season just with the opportunities that he's created for himself.
0: Yep. All right. Well, just very quickly, if you have an honorable mention, just take take a you know twenty seconds to talk about him, Zach. Anybody else you want to talk about?
2: No, I think there was there was solid moments from from many of our midfielders, but Drew and Jaime stood out to me this year, and really I, I felt we're shoulder above the rest. And if I had to give it to one of the two, it had to be Drew. So that was those
1: are my opinions. Okay. No one. Yeah, I think we've referenced Rodrigo Lopez and and Andrew Wheeler Amenu. Um, I think my greatest frustration with this season is the sample size is just so small. If those guys had had twice as many games, um, and twice as much time to prove themselves, I think we'd have more to talk about. But it was just, it was a crazy year, um, and we don't, so we can't.
0: <laughs> Got it. All right, Matt. Anybody else you want to talk about really quick?
3: I think Rodrigo Lopez belongs in the conversation. We almost take what he can do for granted because we've seen it before and we know what kind of player he is, although he didn't have his best season and it took him much longer to score than I think uh, he had planned for. I think he only had, what, one goal on the season. Uh, it was a big goal. It was an opportune goal late in a match, but uh, but that was about it. So uh, Roro, I mean, you just, you know what you're going to get from the guy. What I was most impressed with Roro this season is his ability on the defensive end. A couple of times, he made some pretty stand-up tackles. Uh, And uh, solidly contributed defensively when his number was called upon. So I wanted to highlight that for sure. But he's not above Jaime or Drew for me.
0: Yeah, no i I have the exact same feeling about Roro. He got a lot of criticism this year because expectations for him coming back to Major League or not Major League Soccer coming back to Sacramento were very high. But the expectations were high because he's a very good player. So even when he has uh, games where he doesn't seem incredibly involved or, uh, has a massive influence offensively on the game. That doesn't mean he's playing bad. It it, actually, I think this season he played in a deeper role where he wasn't asked to be a goal scorer. I, I think only when Sacramento needed a goal, that's when he moved further up the field. I think Mark Briggs wanted him to be a distributor, wanted him to sit in front of the midfield or sit in front of the defenders and dictate the game that way. So I think fans were frustrated with him, but ultimately I think he was doing what he was asked to do and he did it well. Again, if we're saying we have a very good defense, you have to, to some degree, talk about the deepest lying midfielder sitting in front of your two center backs or sometimes three center backs. A lot of the season that was Roro, and he did it very well. He was at least in the conversation for me, uh, for this most valuable midfield position but again ultimately had to go to drew all right well let's move on to the final category team mvp again we'll start with zach and then move down the list so zach who is your team mvp it is arafa diaz nolan team mvp also Rafa Diaz. <laughs> Matt George, team MVP. Rafael Diaz. Hey. And I have Jordan McCrary. Oh, All
1: right. Wow.
2: I knew you were going to do this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Contrarian, Scott. I, I, I now you went we'll with us, but you went it. with us with midfielder. Yeah, we'll talk about it.
0: All right. Uh, let's start with you, Matt, for your uh, team MVP. Go ahead and talk about him.
3: Yeah. I mean, Rafa, like I said earlier, just an incredible story, how hard he's worked, his emergence, uh, as one of the top keepers in the USL, at least statistically uh, came up with some massive saves in, in major moments. Uh, It's a shame that he didn't get um, a major moment. I think he would have been great if that game went to penalties uh, in Phoenix. I think he would have been fantastic. I had watched him in training that week and he and Briggs had been working a lot on, uh, on penalties and he was saving plenty of them. And the ones that he wasn't saving, he was getting frustrated and you could hear Briggs on the sidelines saying that's Okay. You're gonna you're gonna make that save uh, on uh, on Saturday night in Phoenix. So I, I think we were robbed of an opportunity to see Rafa really shine, and that would have been the perfect cap to the great season that he had. But uh, one match in particular, I think it was the first match in Reno between Sacramento and Reno. Sacramento ended up winning the match one nil thanks to a penalty. But in the first half, that match easily could have been three nil Reno. Because they were on the attack, they were on the front foot, Sacramento's back line, they just didn't have the the communication that they normally have, at least early in this match, which was a, a little bit of a theme, especially at home this season. But Rafa was the reason why it was level at halftime and the reason why Sacramento was able to win that match. So overall, Rafa just had a phenomenal season. I'm so happy for him because I know how hard he's worked. We've seen how hard he's worked over the last couple of years. He made the most out of his opportunity, and the Republic would not even have been close to the position that they were in uh, without Rafa between the sticks.
0: Zach, your thoughts on Rafa Diaz?
2: Uh, Well put, Matt. And, you know, I think for me, if I could add to any of that, it almost got to a point this season where watching Rafa make a diving save, a great save, was almost expected. I, I remember like I remember watching games where he would make a great save and I'd be like, all right, good. Like he had just he had he had raised the bar so high. And that's that's what superstar players do. Is when you look at them and they make exceptional plays, you start to expect it from them. And I felt that Rafa had moved into that into that space of I'm now expecting him to make exceptional plays because he's an exceptional athlete and he's an exceptional player. Um and yeah, just to reiterate everything Matt said, I think you put it very well, Matt.
0: Yeah, and I I I'm trying to think of like a, a a comparison that might land with some people that maybe you don't fully understand goalkeeping past um just the simple shot stopping. There's way more to it than that. And the comparison I'm drawing is kind of the uh the comparison between Rafa Diaz this season and uh, De'Aaron Fox for the Kings. Like De'Aaron Fox will just do something that's so uh, remarkable, but he does it so consistently. He consistently just like sprints past all of the players on the field, uh, on the field, on the the court and has a left-handed layup because he's left-handed. It's such an incredible amount of speed, power and body control that you see it for the first time, you go, wow, that guy's really good. But after like the hundredth time of seeing it, you go, yeah, that's De'Aaron. That's just what he does. And that was kind of Rafa Diaz, as Zach was saying this year. He just regularly made the tough save. He regularly distributed the ball well. He regularly communicated well. He regularly organized well. And at the end of the year, you just go, yeah, that's Rafa Diaz. But when you look back at the highlights, when you look back at the stats, when you really take a, uh, a an overhead look at what Rafa Diaz has done this year, you—it's—it's—it it, re, was really hard for me to not give it to him, uh, but he definitely is, I think, deserving of that award. Nolan, do you have anything else to add for Rafa?
1: No, I think he was one of the top storylines of the season. I wish I were better at goalkeeper analysis so I could tell you how great he was at passing or yeah. how much of you know the modern uh, goalkeeper he epitomizes, but um, I don't. I I and the common fan when it comes to goalkeepers and I watch him make incredible save after incredible save after incredible save and he's the MVP for me um and it's an endear and I love the story too like the narrative is incredible the you know I've been a, for as long as I've been a fan he's been around but kind of you know uh on the sidelines the backup and, and yeah exactly and to see him step up and lead this team um in a very challenging year uh was inspiring to me so for, for that reason, he's my MVP.
0: Matt George, just my comparison uh, between Rafa Diaz and De'Aaron Fox hit home, or is it maybe a bit of a stretch?
3: No, I think it's a good point, because you're you're talking about just expectations. Now, I think De'Aaron Fox is significantly better at his craft than Rafa Diaz is, but basketball to soccer comparisons are literally impossible, although I <laughs> wonder what De'Aaron Fox would be like if he had chosen soccer instead of basketball as his sport. Cause imagine oh
0: my gosh, played. that would be an amazing forward.
3: He would have been a great forward, a great wing, a great fullback, uh, and Rafa Diaz, you know he's he's athletic, so maybe he would have made a halfway decent basketball player. But now Rafa's fantastic. My honorable mention. Uh, I had Derek Formella in there just because leading goal scorer. Yeah, sure. They always have to be in the conversation. Plus, he had a couple of crafty finishes and had one match in particular where a couple of his finishes were just actually no. I, honestly, I might be getting that mixed up with Vilian Bijev because Bijev also had a couple of finishes this season where you're like, okay, wow, that's that's a that's a ESPN Sports Center type goal. Uh, and then number three, to agree, uh, I can't remember who said it, but to agree with you, I had Jordan McCrary, number three, just because he is Mr. Consistent. He's there on a nightly basis. He, You know what you're going to get from the guy, but he's always out there because he belongs out there, involved in the attack, made some great defensive plays, also a communicator and a leader on that team. Uh, so whoever it was, I'm sorry, I'll let you talk about that.
0: That was Scott, right? Yeah, that was me. And I'll just talk about him for a second. The only. Reason I I had Sargis as my Defender of the Year was because I had McCrayer as my MVP, um, and just for the record, I have Rafa at MVP for my my second spot and Defender of the Year second spot was also Rafa, so he's he's right there. I I have him very highly ranked, but I had to give this one to Jordan McCrary for the things that have already been said about him. I I know Matt had him. I I think I think Zach had him as as your Defender of the Year, right? Zach was that your Defender of the Year? Rafa? Yeah. No, yeah. McCrary. McCrary was my three. He's, okay, He's he was on the motion okay. for me, yeah. So we've already said it, but he was, as Matt just said, so consistent. And not only that, he contributed on both ends of the field consistently. Uh, he didn't have a ton of assists this year, but if you extrapolate the season out, it's I think he would have had four, which from a fullback, that's pretty good. Um, he was impossible to get by, even against um, the best wingers the Western conference had to offer, he, he shut them down. So I just think Jordan McCrary is so underrated and it's almost, again, like we were saying kind of with Rafa, like you just expect him to just be basically perfect that you take what he does for granted. He, if you, you were talking about running like Drew Kendrick he is constantly going up and down the right flank. Uh, last year, I didn't think of Jordan McCrary as an offensive asset this year, I did this year. I saw it a bit more. I saw that his, his movement um, and his willingness to go forward really opened up space for other guys to do things. And with the kind of rotating door at times with that right center back spot, Jordan McCrary offered just a a assured assurance that he was going to lock down the right side. And whoever was playing that right center back was between a very talented 18-year-old and a lockdown right back. So for me, his play on the field, uh, the influence that I am kind of thinking that he had in the locker room, I, I remember one time he came off as a sub late and he was very upset with himself, very upset with how the team was playing. And he kind of yelled toward Briggs as he was walking to his seat that uh, we, the team was playing like poop. Uh-huh. I mean, he'd used a different word, but I just I think he has such a big influence on what Mark Briggs wants to do. He wants his fullbacks to get forward, but he also needs them to be locked down defensively. I think Jordan McCrary, the best is yet to come from him. Now, he's a little bit older, so we might only get to see him in the USL with Mark Briggs, but I think he's going to have a great, great year, even better next year than he did this year. Um, that's my thoughts on Jordan McCrary. Anybody else have thoughts on Jordan McRae that they haven't said yet he was my number two um yeah I I think he's I think he's a leader
2: too I, and on that pitch is as he's not he's not a, he's not a young guy but um yeah to, to just like go off of everything you say I agree with and he's also he adds a veteran presence and, and a leadership element that that back line um definitely uh, needs and and yeah he's a great player
3: the best way for me to describe Jordan McCrary is out of everybody else on this roster, if the Republic were to put out their starting lineups like they always do, and usually the media gets access to it a little bit before they they post it publicly, if we all were to look at a starting lineup and the first thing we see is Jordan McCrary is not in the starting 11, we're immediately asking, okay, what's going on? He has to be hurt. Something's wrong. What's the problem more than anybody else on the roster. I always check to see if McCrary's name was on there because he is out of everybody else. I expected to see his name on the starting 11 first, more than any other player on that pitch. And that's not to say he's better than all of them, but that just speaks to his consistency and what he provides and how important he is to the club to where you knew if Jordan McCrary was available, he's in the starting 11. uh, Sometimes he'll be named for the 18, but he belongs in the starting 11 because that's where he's at his best.
0: There were multiple times this year where I was watching Jordan McCurry play and I just had the thought of you could be like a pro bowl free safety in the NFL because he just flies around, not even thinking about his own physical health, just going into challenges, uh, going up against guys that are much bigger than him, much stronger than him and just not coming out like uh, the worst for the wear at all, mm-hmm. like, getting elbows in the face and just being like, yep, th- this is fine. I'm I'm tougher than you. That's how he plays. He plays tougher than everybody else on the field. I think part of the reason I gave him this award is I just super respect the way he plays. He's not going down looking for a foul. He's not uh, going to be rolling around like, like we see some players do. He, he plays the game the way I think I enjoy it to be played. That's, I think, partially why I also gave him this award, but Nolan, I want to go back to you really fast. Do you have any other honorable mentions before we get out of here?
1: No, I think we we hit it on the head. Mm-hmm. Quite well. And Zach, I think you said no. McCreary, you. number two, Formella number three for me. Yeah,
0: I, Matt, do we need to spend some time talking about Formella? Just because he does have eight goals, he is the leading goal scorer on this team.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, you could spend a little bit of time. The last thing I want to say about McCrera too is, is I don't think there's a better trash talker in all of the USL. Yeah. No, that's so true. Fair, fair. I love him so much Is he's the nicest guy on the planet. One of the nicest guys on the planet, but you get him on the pitch and that all goes out the window and, He'll make sure he he he'll chat with you to the point where sometimes it would frustrate Briggs. Briggs would say, "Stop talking and freaking play." But that's what makes Jordan himself, and that's he draws his fire from the communication and the trash talk with his opponents, and they love him for it because you can always see them smiling at him, even if they they get a little heated at times after the match. They're always uh, bumping and talking with one another. Jordan makes the game better with that that competitiveness and trash talking that he has. As for Derek Formella. Formella also a a very competitive guy. Uh, I I think I would give, or I have more respect for him and maybe that's not the right word. I would appreciate more what Formella did for the club and has done for the club. If, they didn't struggle so much. Sacramento as a whole didn't struggle so much offensively this season. Uh, And that does not all fall on Formella. That falls on Sam Werner. That falls on Bijev. That falls certainly on Carlton Belmar. That falls on Cameron Iwasa. Just uh, offensively attacking-wise, this club did not meet expectations. But Formella still was the leading goal scorer, had a couple of incredible goals, including one that he stole from Carlton Belmar, but it was actually really uh, cheeky little little tap in and deflection. Uh, so Formella, just it doesn't surprise me. I expect him to be involved in the attack. He also showed off his uh, his dribbling at times. I think he's an underrated dribbler uh, and would love to see what would happen if he gets one-on-one opportunities and space, maybe on a uh, on a counterattack, but that really wasn't the Republic style. They were the ones usually doing the attacking, not countering. Uh, overall, Formella, great season, nothing to scoff at, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing what he can do in a, a full USL season.
0: Anybody else have any last thoughts on Derek Formella? He's great. <laughs> he's, great. he's great. I genuinely think that Derek Formella, he, he's gotten uh, a little bit of criticism because he really only scored in bunches against some weaker teams. We talked about it a, a little bit uh, last show. I genuinely think if he's the number two goal scorer on this team, we look at Derek Formella and go, you are a massive reason as to why we are successful. I, I don't it's it's hard for me to look at him and say you're you're part of the problem as to why we were not more yep. uh, offensively productive. He did exactly what I think Briggs was expecting him to do maybe there's a few more chances that he should have finished that he just didn't back post, but he definitely converted at a much higher rate than everybody else on Sac Republic. So
3: there were a couple chances, big chances that he had against Phoenix in the first half that you would mm -hmm. expect your number one striker to bury. And that was the difference in the match. So you got to take advantage of those chances. And I think that that was a problem for Formella. That was a problem with all of the Republic attack because they just, weren't mm-hmm. clinical enough this season they'd get themselves into opportunities and i think one thing that frustrated briggs more than anything else and this is not just formella this is especially the winger, the wingers not putting a body on back post i can't hey. tell you how many goals Sacramento said it, had the yeah. season if they were on the back post
0: uh, yeah so then matt let's just uh wrap up this conversation with Giving us your thoughts on Mark Briggs' first year here. We haven't prepped you for We didn't say we were going to talk about this, but I know you have thoughts about Briggs' first year in Sacramento. Just spend a minute or two talking about that, and then we'll get out of here.
3: I love Briggs. I love everything about Briggs. He's well-respected. Uh, he plays with fire. He, he is attack-minded, although has high expectations for his defense. He's a good communicator. He also is out there, along with all the assistant coaches, uh, he is out there involved in training, playing in scrimmages, communicating, also has a phenomenal personality. It uh, was really fun to get to hear him uh, in his element on the sidelines as a media member, uh, a, a tremendous guy, a stand-up guy, always willing to talk, plays his cards close to his chest, but not in a way that he doesn't trust media, but in a way that he wants to make sure he doesn't give anything away to his opponent. Uh, I I love what Mark Briggs is doing. I think he was a phenomenal hire by the Republic, and I personally hope uh, that Briggs is the is the guy is the man that the Republic take with them to MLS to, to be in charge of that squad now they're years away from that and things could change and I know Briggs has tremendously high expectations for himself and this club to be right back in the title hunt and the championship conversation for the remaining years that they're in the USL but I think Briggs is phenomenal
0: yeah I can't say enough good things about Mark Briggs we can't say enough good things about Mark Briggs True. it's a joy talking to him every time we get the chance to talk to him and he he does communicate with media more openly than other uh, yeah. people in professional sports that uh, we've had the privilege to to talk to. So I agree with everything you said, Matt. Matt, it was a pleasure talking with you. You're always so uh, willing to uh, take the time to come on our show. Uh, we are so appreciative of you, and I'm sure we'll be in contact about uh, stuff that goes down this off season pretty soon.
3: Yeah, keep up the great work, guys. I uh, I miss uh, seeing you already at the uh, at the or at Papa Murphy's Park, and yeah. We'll be able to see each other along with thousands of screaming fans there uh, starting next season. But I hope you guys have a fantastic off season. Happy to join you at any time, and uh, let's uh, let's actually talk about a, a cup team next year. Ah, uh, I like Ooh, it. Yeah, let's like do that. that.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Matt. We'll see you soon.